Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another another episode of Three In, Three Out. I am your fired up host, Clinton Bonner. Joining me as always, Brandon Schultz. Brandon, I think we got to just start with with this. You know, why not? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Like, let's let's celebrate the Yogi Berra in all of us. Hey. Brandon, we're, we're nine and two. The Seahawks are nine and two. <laughs> the Seahawks are nine and two. And this is a Thanksgiving edition even. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Absolutely. Yeah. If, this, if this comes out when, when the turkey pops and you got the inside stuffing and the outside stuffing, leave the outside stuffing to the side, grab the inside stuffing, the other stuff put in the trash anyway, you know, grab <laughs> the inside, get your, get your cranberries, get everything mixed up into one big bowl and dive into this very thankful. I don't know about you, Brandon. I am a very, very thankful Seahawks fan sitting here at nine and two. I am thankful for nine and two. And tons to be thankful for, you know, kind of a, kind of one of those games with the Eagles there. We, we get the victory at 17 to nine, you know, you're listening to three and three out. So we're not going to give you the generic, you know, this is not the generic recap. This is not the, the mashed potatoes and maybe the, the green bean casserole with those, those stringy things that people like to put on top. No, 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 no. We're, we're going, we're going down into those, into those nooks, into those buttery crannies. We want, we want those flaky biscuits and we want to look at some things, some ins and outs on the side of the ledger here that really made this game hum. We get the W, we go to 6-0, and and there are a lot of little things to talk about in this game because, Brandon, this game coulda, shoulda, woulda been 41 to something, 30-something to something. It ends up at 17-9, to and, you know, for me, that actually adds a lot of juicy little tidbits to talk through. It did feel like this game had the potential to be a blowout, and I know as Seahawks fans, that's what we want. We when especially when the the team is turning the ball over, five turnovers in this game, only getting three points off those turnovers. That's lousy. That's like those stringy things on top of the beans. I don't know if they're onions, what they are, but uh, you know, you just push them off to the side, and I think that's what we're gonna do. We we know that we got five turnovers and and didn't come away with points. We'll push that to the side. And and move into to some of the the good stuff. Yeah, let's let's dig a little bit deeper on this this cornucopia of Seattle goodness, right? This cornucopia of our Hawkera, and and dig a little bit deeper. So I'm Clinton Bonner. You could find me and follow me and say hello on Twitter. I won't bite hard. Clinton Bon on Twitter. Brandon, why don't you tell the good folks where they can find you? Yeah, follow on Twitter at SeahawkersPod. Subscribe to this show. If you're listening on the web, you can go to SBNation.com slash NFL Podcast. Subscribe to the show. Get it in your podcast feed each and every week so you don't miss an episode. Excellent. So, you know, it's Thanksgiving. We're all gathered around the table. We all have our 12s, you know, hanging out with us where we're super fired up. We're discussing our Hawks and we got some football coming on the tube later, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe you're having a cold one or two and you're enjoying that, that delicious hot meal. There's, there's, there's no wrongs about Thanksgiving. There's only one rule. Brandon, what is that one rule on three and three out? When we win, we start with an in. We start with an in. This in has all the stuffing, all the gravy, all the good stuff. Let's get on over and take a big heaping in of our first serving right now. All right, Brandon. So we are diving into that first in. Maybe we're grabbing that real rich butter and spreading it across. You know what? The one person I want to give some love to and start with a big in. We talked about this is this is this is going to be a, a loaded up defense. That plate, that Thanksgiving plate is going to be a lot of defense on the inside of the ledger. Listen, I got to start this out with my man Rasheem Green, and and I'll say this too. The, the strip sack when he almost had the sack and he gets up and he punches the ball out and he gets and we get the fumble. That's a huge play versus versus Wentz. However, 
I also want to call out another play that I don't think anybody's talking about. It's the second quarter. We're up 10 to three and the Eagles are trying to get a little cute because, you know, Lord knows they, they just can't move the ball. It's windy and they, they're getting all wenched out there, but they run this little jet sweep going away from the screen. And I just see a dude fly out there, beat his guy, gets in position and makes an outstanding tackle for a loss. I see it's a 90 something. I'm like, and I'm starting to take notes. I'm like, who was that? Who was that? Dude pops up and it's green again. So green within, with, you know, making his presence felt first quarter with that, that, uh, that strip of, of Wentz, but that second quarter play to beat his dude, go down the line and blow up a jet sweep. They're both impressive, but, but you know, if we, if we got the Turkey, then we need the gravy. For me, that gravy was that jet sweep blow up for me. Green takes that big in and he wears it proudly. He's my first in Brandon. Oh, starting with green is like starting with pumpkin pie for the Thanksgiving meal. We're starting with dessert. And uh, Rasheem Green had an outstanding day. He had six pressures on the day leading the team. He had four hurries. So the quarterback on the day leading the team, he had three stops that led the team. So for Rasheem Green to go out there and have that kind of day, especially with Jadevian Clowney sitting on the bench. That was, it was, you just weren't expecting it. And, and, uh, and for him to have that kind of an impact, uh, there was also another guy who uh, had an impact that we've been kind of been down on this season. So I just like that the idea of, of, of beyond Rasheem Green, the defensive line having such a stellar day absent of the one guy who's, who's been the only one showing up for so many weeks. Yeah, man. Perfectly stated there, you know, sans, sans clowny. And we could talk about that other guy now because I don't have him on the inside of the ledger specifically. So we could just, if we want to grab that extra biscuit or we want to put that sweet potato on the plate while we're, while we're making it, let's just say the guy's name, Ziggy. Ziggy showed up. Ansa had a, had a huge day. You know, he needed a kick in the ass to say, hey, Clowney's not there today. You got to be the guy. I mean, I, I don't know what, what triggered him to, to go off like that. Something clicked and, and it felt good. He had a fumble. Green had the fumble where it was just, you know, he, like you said, he punched it out uh, from behind Carson Wentz. And then Quandre Diggs had the uh, third fumble for the Seahawks. So uh, punching it out from Goddard. And yeah, just a, a good day for turnovers overall. Uh, we mentioned it with the offense, not being able to do with it. But it uh, the important thing was, was the defense was, was stopping the Eagles and taking points off the board. It was the entire feast. And I love you bringing up Diggs too, because if you listen to the bye week episode, we were all suffering from BWS. We all got through the bye week syndrome, but we talked about Diggs last week. Diggs, Diggs is flying, man. This team, you know, all the love and credit to, to what Carol and, and to what Schneider have done to say where we started with this team defensively to where we are right now, heading into these cold weather games. This team is night and day different on defense. We're faster. We hit harder. We look, let's put it this way. You could put a dial out there. Are we moving more towards 2013 defensively or are we moving away from 2013 defensively? There is no doubt the dial is really creeping towards that 2013 type defense. And I got to tell you, man, for the rest of the NFL, that spells bad news. All right, Brandon, this is three in, three out. And, and, you know, we take the good, we take the bad, we take them both, and we have the Seahawks facts of life. So as enthused as we were about the Rasheen Greens and about, you know, about stuffing the jet sweeps and everything else we saw there and the answers and the digs, we got to talk about some of the outs. Now, I'm not getting into the fact that we only put up 17, but I do, listen, I have been the biggest Chris Carson proponent. I love the way this guy runs the ball. I still think he's our best back 
And with that, Carson's got to wear the out. It is not because of that first fumble. That first fumble is egregious. You, you cannot put the ball on the ground. For me, Brandon, the big thing was the play right after that. I know, and I know it doesn't go credited to him. That's not quote unquote his fumble. Let me tell you. They, and they said, you know, Carson didn't hear the play, didn't hear the audible. Man, I think it's because this is the first time where I saw the fumbles and then I see a dude who has now become unsure. Just, just like in the same exact way that I said, I don't think Lockett should be returning punts anymore or, or returning kickoffs because I don't think he wants to hit the hole quite as aggressively as he did, you know, like two, three seasons ago. This was the first time where I saw Carson was like in his own head. He was lost out there. Russ puts the puts the biscuit right into his numbers. It just bounces off him. They give up the ball and you can see Russ's frustration for Russ to kind of pump his fist to be like, dude, what are you doing? Russ is like the Derek Jeter, you know, of the NFL. He doesn't do those things. So for me, Russ, I think, felt it. And for the viewers at home, I'll speak for myself. I'm like, man, Carson's head wasn't there because he's gotten into his own head about, about this fumbleitis. He's got to wear that out. He's got to clean that up. And I think for those who listen to three and three out, if, you, if you're hearing me say this, man, man, oh man, it's like De- DEFCON one or DEFCON five, whatever the, whatever that worst DEFCON is in war games where they should have been, should have been playing chess. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know that you're reluctant to go here with this and you know, it's like when you see the, the canned cranberry sauce, it's like, do I, do I take a spoonful of that or cause I like the fresh stuff. I don't like the canned stuff. So with this, for you to go to Carson with your first out, I know it must pain you, but you know, I I'm trying to look on the bright side here and that, you know, we do have Rashad Penny. He did have that big 58 yard run where he's just shot out of a cannon and maybe Pete Carroll sensed something in this game that it, it didn't seem like Carson was on his game because he didn't get a lot of playing time. And so if you're using Penny now over the next couple of weeks to kind of give Carson a little bit of a rest, you know, rest him up for that playoff run because you know you're going to need a physical back to punish teams, especially in the playoffs. Maybe that's what we start to see the team do now. You know, highly possible. And I, and I do want to weigh in on that, that canned cranberry debate. I've been seeing that out, out on Twitter quite a bit. Listen, we all know the fresh is better, but the canned cranberry, that's, it ain't bad. Put that on a, you know, put that on a well, sand. It's not bad. No, it's it ain't just... bad. Put it, put it on a sando, <laughs> like make it like it's the cheese with your leftover turkey and some gravy on to, onside that biscuit. And you got yourself a good little sando there, but, but I'm with you. You'd rather have the fresh stuff, rather have that, have, had that made right. And, and so I, I like the positivity. I also liked Carol going back to Carson, even after both of those fumbles and then getting him a, a little, uh, a little toss out of the backfield, which I think he got like nine yards on the next time he was out there. I mean, one thing Carol is, is supportive, right? He, he will support these guys, but like, that's my guy. We're going to figure it out. And Hey, credit where due Penny, Penny was a baller. Penny looked good inside. Penny certainly looked good outside and he was the better back that day. And Hey, they both wear Seahawks uniforms. So I'm okay with that. On the plus side, uh, Chris Carson, uh, he was better in pass blocking, especially according to Pro Football Focus. And uh, I think we all remember the play where Rashad Penny uh, had an opportunity to block the guy coming in uh, who ended up sacking Russell Wilson. It was a tough play, and Penny's going to learn from that. But uh, he, he has the other positive things to look at. For sure. And and that Penny play was actually on my ledger as an out. And I just, I couldn't bring myself. He, so Michael Paul, you, I know you're on, I know you're on the edge of your seat. You, you could edge back. Penny will not be getting an out for that. And it was, uh, it was just obvious in that play. Like he didn't know what was up. He, he was 
on one side of Russ, then, had he, then he skirted over to the other side of Russ, and he decides not to block Jenkins, just coming off the corner, who was kind of on this little like delayed blitz. It was interesting, and you know, it, let's, let's thank the maker. Russ didn't get hurt. He bounces back up, and away we go. I think the play, if, if that works out, if Russ is actually watching Penny, and I, I know they probably both turned away from each other at, at the exact wrong moment, and Jenkins saw his opportunity to, to go at Russell Wilson's back, if Penny goes out and Russell Wilson sees him get past Jenkins, you know that could result in, in perhaps a big play. If uh, I know there are a couple defenders in the area, but uh, Penny with the speed, if he if Russ lobs it over the top of Jenkins and to Penny, you know maybe they make a play there. Maybe they're putting it on tape. You know, dare I say they're putting they're putting that. I don't meta- think I don't think they're putting on that. <laughs> <laughs> there, are just, there are just some things you just don't put on tape, right? So. Uh, you know, I think we're all thankful that when, when you and I uh, grew up, we didn't have cell phones with cameras in our hands. I'll just say that. All right, Brandon, back on over to the fun side of the ledger, of course, the inside of the ledger. And we were just talking Penny, and I want to give that love to Penny. I did think he looked really good inside, outside. He had a couple of one cuts, jump cuts, looking really strong. And on top of that, I want to give the in on that 58-yard run, and you know, again, Michael Paul, you're probably back at the edge of your seat again, but but not for Penny. Penny did a great job. He shot out of a cannon. He is faster than Chris Carson. He has he has a second-level speed that Carson does not possess, and he can take things like that to the house as a home run hitter. But the in for me, man, oh man, did you see the the trifecta of like perfectly executed blocks that sprung that 58-yarder? That was amazing to me. And I want to give the in, I think it's, it's gotta be hunt. I think who, who are the three there involved in that, in that particular, uh, that, that blocking pattern. Do you remember? Gotta be hunt you potty. And, uh, I think all the guards the, executing the trap play. We're guards. I, I think guards. I, <laughs> we're guards. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think you're, I think you're right. I have to go back and watch it again. And I apologize. I just have it written in my, my chicken scratch ledger saying, there were three dudes who just sealed this off so damn good. And you put the penny on top to have that speed and that quickness through the hole and then just take it away. That trap game looked amazing to me. I mean, so much so that Admiral Akbar would be proud of that trap game. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things we never saw run blocking like that when Tom Cable was the offensive line coach. It was and and so that you maybe you can give that in not just to the offensive lineman on that play, but give it to Mike Solari. Heck yeah, no, that's a good point. Solari, you know, hey, listen, this, this is, this is, you know, we're deep into year two of Solari and he's one of the most successful O-line coaches in the league. The pass pro has been certainly better than it has been in years past. And this is with losing our center, by the way. And this is year number two, where we're going to be towards the top of the league as just one of the best running teams in the whole damn league. And remember, Coming off the, the the finishing years, if you will, of Tom Cable, I mean, you could not be 180, you know, a 180 difference from how poor we ran the ball. What was that, 2016? And then the, the 2015, 2016 seasons where we, we just could not run the ball whatsoever. And now we're in year two at Solari and that identity is back. Hey, let's, let's, we talked about the dial. Are we going more towards the 2013 season or are we going further away? Right here as well. The way we're running the ball, the way that we we command games, the way we put games away late with the run, that is all about 2013. And, and I think everybody here remembers how that year finished. 2013 finished out well, and let's finish this show out well too, Clinton. Let's take a break and we'll come back with the rest of Ins and Outs. All 
All right, Brandon, we're back on to the outside of the ledger on three in, three out. Once again, I'm Clinton Bonner. Follow me at Clinton Bond on Twitter. Brandon, you know, not everything was was a rose in this game. Not everything was was beautiful. Not everything had this flow. And what I want to talk about on this outside of the ledger are these, there were two sequences that were just so damn ugly that they, I just, I have to think like, how do they happen? How do these things like manifest and become, become part of like, if we're nine and two, how do we have these kind of sequences that are so friggin' ugly? They just don't make any sense. So one big one for me is that sequence after Shaquem, he blows up that play so beautifully. I think it's Sanders that he's, that he's messing with and Wentz. They recover the ball. They have the funny lateral, the whole thing already. Uh, and, and it's a great play. We're at the 32 yard line. But then we have Yupati with a for the false start, and then a delay a game after the false start, and then there was other things that went so bad there. That was number one for me. And then, but we had a similarly just like just like before where we had that you know we we wanted the we wanted the biscuit and we wanted the gravy, we wanted the turkey and the gravy. Well, guess what? Early in the game, there was a sequence where. Number one, Bellor played a little bit. He gets blown off the ball on one on a, a Carson carrier that goes nowhere. And then Hunt gets blown off the ball uh, as well. And that was followed up by that that first Dixon putt, which went about, I don't know, 16 feet. So we had like these these moments of these, these super ugly sequences. So I'm giving the out to this idea that we've got to get rid of these truly negative sequences if we're going to hang and go deep into the playoffs, make a run, and hopefully be hoisting Lombardi once again. Man, oh man, like... I, they're cringeworthy. That's, that's the right word. I was trying to find one there, but some of these negative sequences, it's like, dude, what are we, the Bengals? Like we look so bad for instances. And this is not just this game. It's, it seems to happen with us where we hit some doldrums. We just forget how to play football for a few plays and a few drives. It's okay. When you're playing an Eagles team that has no wide receivers and can't push the ball downfield, it'll be the opposite of okay. If we're facing say the Ravens again in the Super Bowl. Hey, I'll take any of those sequences over the worst sequence of all in the fourth quarter. We've kind of already touched on it, but the fact that that you have the ball, you're ready to put the game away. It's not too long after the the penny touchdown. It's the the drive right after that. And Chris Carson, he fumbles the ball. And then the handoff is fumbled on the play right after that. And in the fourth quarter, we've seen it so many times in, in so many games against teams where we have a significant lead on them where you can't close out the game. I go back to that Pittsburgh game. There's times where the, this team has the ability to put it away and in, in games like against the 49ers and games against the Rams where they end up having to come down to a field goal when if they had just run the ball and not put it on the ground or just picked up that extra first down, uh, they're going to need to close out these games as they go forward because if you get into the playoffs and you don't have that confidence that you can close out and finish against opposing teams, that's going to be a problem. So, so let me spin that a slightly different way with a with a baseball analogy. It's not. It's almost not the closeout, right? It's not like, hey, I'm a Mets fan, but but you know, all all glory to Mariano Rivera. It's not like we're hearing enter Sandman and the game's locked down. Actually, the Seahawks in the late, late fourth quarter have been good or overtime this year. Like, yeah. it's like when the closer comes in to lock it down or, or needs to get a key out, we're actually kind of okay in the ninth inning, if you if you will pardon the analogy. It's actually like that those late seventh and eighth innings, you know, we're up four to one. All of a sudden we walk a dude and we have a hit batsman and we have a pass ball. And then a dude hits like, you know, a game tying three run dong or something like that. 
but it is those those high pressure fourth quarter or be, or late third quarter situations. I'm with you, Brandon. Like that stuff has got to be cleaned up. We're, we are nine and two, and it's like a lot of it's like in spite of some of those things, in spite of the fact that the Steelers could have beat us, in spite of the fact that the Bengals could have beat us, in spite of the fact that Carson Wentz apparently can't throw a ball more than 10 yards in the air in the wind. You know, all, all these different things that that add up that, that hey, we're 9-2. and two. And again, 6-0 oh on the road. But I'm with you. Like those things, you've got to clean up that stuff. And I also hear you that the fumbles are are worse than some some negative plays. And I agree with you. So what you're saying is that Russell Wilson is the Mariano Rivera of closers in the NFL. And what we need is that middle reliever to, to get us to Rivera. And yes, yes, yes. And by all, you know, by all accounts, that should be Chris Carson. That's that's the biggest issue. This is the second game in a row where that that middle reliever pitch in the seventh, pitch in the eighth, the setup man, if you will, has fumbled in key situations and let a team back in when that door should have been slammed shut where maybe you don't even need Rivera to step in. Maybe you don't play enter Sandman because at that point, you heck, you could have Geno Smith coming out there and just hand the ball off to, at that point, Homer for a couple of times to just, just you know burn some clock because you won the game 24 to three. And it's this time of year too, Brandon, we're going to be facing good teams down the stretch. And of course, in the playoffs, it's all good teams. I'm really confident in the late fourth quarter because we got Wilson. Man, we need that middle relief. We need Carson. If he's the dog and he's getting those tough yards, he has got to do a better job. Yeah, I know. I kind of feel like we went uh, back to Carson for the second out, Clinton. But did, uh, yeah. I, and that's on that's on me. That's my fault. Uh, I, I my mind keeps going there. But yes, those sequences early on in the game too, especially three and outs in the first and second quarter, when you could be putting points on the board, especially against this Eagles team, especially when you're getting turnovers and not doing anything with it. That, that was that was a big reason why the score was as close as it was against the Eagles. Bottom line is you get the ball at the opponent's 32 and it ends up in an interception at about their 15-yard line. You did a bad job. All right, Brandon, but we are not did, did I mention? Did I mention we're nine and two? Debbie, we are we are nine and two. So let's nine and two. We're nine and two. This feels good. We are back on the inside of the ledger. And you know, speaking of feeling good, we've been talking about this, Brandon, for a couple of weeks now. This team is faster. This team is hitting harder. We talked about the addition of Diggs. We talked about the wizardry of Schneider doing these things mid-season. Amazing things. And another adjustment that I feel we have to talk about that I want to talk about is Shaquem Griffin. Shaquem Griffin almost had two sacks. One of them was almost a safety, blew up the play against Sanders to cause the fumble. So to be a guy that was like a nice special teams player who was just good on kick coverage and good on punk coverage and making some tackles to now being on yet another disruptive force as we get into these colder months. Brandon, there were a couple of plays by Griffin where he just stood out, jumped off the page, and his athleticism, his quickness off the ball, and his motor, they were shining. So for me, that last in, that is that is Queens to, to own, to hold, to love. And I can't love it enough. One thing I'll one more thing I'll say is I'm sitting there watching the game. At this point, with my, with my two kids and my son Jackson, he's like, he's like, oh, that's the guy with one hand. I'm like, yeah, man, that's the dude. That is the baller who's out on the NFL. He's freaking in Philadelphia in the cold, breaking crap up, having an amazing game, disrupting things, causing fumbles, almost causing safeties, and the dude has one 
Han. So don't ever talk to me about what you can't do in this life or any, any of that negative stuff. When you see a guy like that, I am getting the tingles right now still talking about what that guy, what, what Shaq Griffin, Shaquem Griffin, how he makes me feel as a human. It fires me up still, man, to see this guy's overcome so damn much and now he's balling out and now we're nine and two because of folks like Shaquem Griffin. That, that's his, that's his in. Brandon, take it, take it. I love it that Keem gets the in on this, and absolutely, you're, we're waiting for him to have that first sack. And I, I saw people in the Ring of Honor on Twitter saying, I'm so mad at Carson Wentz because Keem didn't get his first sack in this game, but he's going to get it eventually, especially with some of the moves that we're seeing. It's not necessarily, he can't out-physical the offensive lineman. And so if you're watching him play to play, you can see that he can't just blow up a guy, run over a dude. I mean, he weighs like 250, 230 pounds. He's just not the biggest guy, but he has the quickness. We saw it in that, that fumble uh, that he caused. He was, he was to the exchange before the, the quarterback was to the running back to make the exchange. And so he was, he was there. And then in those other plays where he's in the backfield and because he has that quickness around the edge, he has that, that lateral jump cut that he does to the inside to get between the tackle and the guard to to go after the quarterback and you aren't going to find another pass rush that has that kind of quickness to be able to make those kinds of moves because he is you know that lightweight type of guy so it is cool to see him getting in there and especially when you know it's going to be a, a pass play the the Seahawks are very good at getting him in in those types of passing situations and we can see he's the, the same type of guy that he was at Central Florida that uh, he just has a knack for trying to get to the quarterback and trying to make a play. Heck yes. I, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm still fired up about it. And the, as much as that blowing up the play with Sanders and causing the fumble was was probably a more important play, to me, the most impressive play was the one that you said about the jump cut. He does. Yeah. So he's, 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 they try to double team him off the edge. He does this remarkable jump cut and then he stands skinny. It was kind of like a Paper Mario style if you play any <laughs> Nintendo and the world just goes 2D on you and he's just sliding through horizontally or whatever that is in that in that plane right there he he basically is like untouched with two dudes trying to block him i think dillard's one of them the guy from uh from washington right yeah. um, the rookie who had who had a rough time out there and he almost gets there he almost strips the ball as as Wentz is going back to fire it but man oh man like i i you start to see these pieces i look at this team if you remember the patriots last year about week eight, week nine, they were a good team. Their defense was being exposed. They were nothing. It was like, okay, will the Patriots do it this year? Who the heck knows? And I, I end up watching a ton of Patriots up here because I live in Connecticut. So I pr pretty much watch them every single week. But then when it got cold, week 11, week 12, 13, 14, 15, that defense came together and they were fierce. And then by the way, they absolutely broke the Rams. And can we just, can we just pause for a second and say, the rent, the, <laughs> let's just, that's a smile about that. I mean, we're both smiling ear to ear. The Rams are broken. The Rams don't have a first round pick until about 2049. The Rams are going to be so bloated and over the salary cap. And Jared Goff is the trash heap from Fraggle Rock. It's just, <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing. The Rams are broken. Anyway, and and we got to watch it on on Monday night in prime time, and none of us wanted to turn away from it. And it was beautiful. And it was and it was in L in LA. And it was uh it was just so lovely. And by the way, Ravens, bring that same damn game next week. This week coming up too. Please bring that same game and beat the damn 49ers. So 
Anyway, Brandon, just just fired up. I keep going back to those dials. Are we getting closer to 2013? Are we moving further away from it? That's another one for me. Shaq, you know, Shaquem Griffin out there. We are getting closer and closer to a disruptive defense and a 2013 feel. And that is good news for our Hawks. All right, Brandon, back over to the last out that we have for today with the 17-9 victory over the Eagles. Uh, you know, Brandon, we talked a lot today about some some heroes, right? We had the Bonnie Tyler, like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting on a hero, wherever that is from a Short Circuit and who's Harry Crumb and, you know, I needed a hero without Clowney there. And we all got, we got Diggs, we had, uh, we had Jefferson showing up, we had Green showing up, we had, you know, Reed before he got hurt, we had Puna coming down the line making plays. Kendricks, we didn't mention him. Kendricks. Ten tackles leading the team on the day, going back to Philly. Yeah, and good call. KJ Wright had some beautiful open field tackles. So there was there was a lot there that were like, we just got these defensive heroes without Clowney. However, one name we haven't talked about at all. It's like, is, it, again, is it just what, what's happening with this guy? Is he, is he even out there? Man, where's LJ? Where's LJ Collier? Brandon, what, what's your take on, on, on this first rounder? Like, is, is, does he have the ability to show up the way Ansa showed up this week? Will he be there at all? Or is he kind of like a, a ghost? This is this is getting frustrating. And I feel like we've gone to LJ Collier as an out at a couple points in the season. But it's just the contrast with the last in, with Shaquem Griffin getting the last in. And here you have a guy, LJ Collier, first-round talent. And you expect more, especially at this late point in the season. Sure, he didn't, he wasn't out there in training camp much with, with an injury, so he's kind of fighting that Rashad Penny type vibe that that he had in his first season. But you're a you're a defensive lineman. You can you can rush the passer, and if you're not rushing the passer, make tackles when dudes are coming your way. It it's the contrast with Shaquem Griffin. Both guys were out there for 25 plays in this game, and we talked about Shaquem's stat line. Well. LJ Collier's stat line is completely it is as bad as you can get because he had no pressures, he had no tackles, Oof, he yeah. had no plays on the football. His one his one stat line where he has a one in in any of the columns where everything else is zeros, he has a one in the missed tackles column. Nah. So that's that's the worst place to be when when you have a stat. It, it's worse than having a stat line with all zeros like yeah. Al Woods has. At least he came. At least he he hopped on the the ball that was a fumble. He had a fumble recovery in this game. But LJ Collier, his one in his stat line is with missed tackles. So LJ Collier. Uh, he gets the out. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, it's, you hate to pile on the rook like that, but, but it is what it is. And and you talk about stat line of, you know, Shaquem and like in his case, the stats didn't at all even tell the story. And his stat line was still like, you know, leagues better. He had, he had things that don't show up in the stat line that were yeah. big disruptive plays. Collier, there wasn't the eye test and the stats were, you know, were just, you know, just, just not there. So, you know, for me, it's just like, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm here and I'm hopeful. And what I want is that Collier can start to surprise maybe the way Ansa, you know, surprised this past week. And maybe, maybe when we get to week 15, 16, he's making a play or two, or we're making a playoff run. And all of a sudden Collier comes up with some strip sack and saves the game or change the game. Maybe we'll see that. Maybe he just needs a little bit more time. I'm hopeful he'll get there. But right now, He's got that scarlet letter, man. He's got that. He's got, he's wearing that. O right now he's worn it for a few weeks. Hate to go there again, but I think he's got to, he's got to still wear it. And maybe just as Seahawks fans, we, we are putting too much pressure on the first round pick aspect of it too, because you go back in, in Rasheem green in his first year, but he was a third round pick. So he didn't have those expectations and he really didn't show up at all in his first season. 
So I think a lot of it is the fact that he is a first round pick that, that he has that kind of pressure on him where if, uh, if maybe he were taken a little bit later in the draft, he doesn't have that. And with everything we read about, you know, the gentleman from TCU from Collier was that, you know, a lot of other folks had him as a second or third round grade. And you know what? We just got to trust Pete and Schneider because they they have been really, really good, sometimes with the misses in the first round. So, Brandon, just as you were bringing out some hope before with Carson, I'll bring the hope for Collier that maybe we don't see it this year. Maybe we do see it in the playoff run. but. And maybe we get this thing where it's just like, you know, it just takes a few years to percolate and we and we have a solid player that probably won't be a 10 or 12 sack guy, but maybe he could just be a solid NFL defender and we get there with Collier. So I'm holding out hope, Brendan. I'm hopeful that LJ shows up and has some stats by the end of this season. So through 12 weeks of the season, he's been on the field for 94 snaps and has two tackles and two missed tackles. Well, you know, Brendan, the only thing I could say to that is uh, he can only go up. All right, Brandon, it is about that time. Speaking of giving thanks, one of our favorite segments, if not our favorite segment, is, of course, from the flock. During the games, before the games, I, I asked the good folks on Twitter or, or if you are a member of the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor on Facebook for the folks that that contribute at, on Patreon at the $12 level. By the way, you should get, get in the flock.com. Do yourself a favor. It's an amazing community. Go there, become part of it. And the conversations that we have, I ask folks for their ins and outs throughout the game or if they want to give a quick recap. And boy, oh boy, we always get these amazing, amazing recaps from the flock. So Brandon, I'll hand it off to you. Do you see an in that you want to start with? Yeah, one of the flockers I'm most thankful for, DCH. And he comes in with one of the ends that we haven't discussed yet. And he talks about the emotional leadership on the sideline, especially seeing Dwayne Brown out there and, and, you know, pointing the finger at all the dudes on offense, gathering them up, especially when that game was so close. It just, it felt like the defense was, you know, handing the game on that glorious silver platter with a a big turkey and and the, and the Seahawks offense kept saying, no, no, I don't think I want that. Uh, But Dwayne Brown getting everybody fired up and we did see the Rashad Penny run come not too far after that particular moment. So some leadership from Dwayne Brown and getting the offense fired up. Yeah, man, it's it's been a while since we've seen like an offensive lineman over there barking and being being the dog, right? Which is which is super cool. So great job by DCH. And you know we are very thankful for DCH, the man. The man's always out there with great contributions and just a really good dude. But he has a great out here too. We didn't talk about Metcalf yet. He just says Metcalf with the dropsies. Then he says, you know, I want to be mad but I'm not. And, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. It's like I had that on my ledger, Brandon, but end of the day, I'm like, you know, yes, I wanted Metcalf, especially to catch that touchdown pass. That's when I felt yeah. like he had to have. And the other the other two would have been certainly nice to have. Uh, and, you know, I'm like, all right, the dude's a rookie. He made a mistake. We still won 17 to nine and we're nine and two. Yeah, I, I do. I want I think we would be more mad if we would have taken the L rather than the W. And, oh, I'd be and pissed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he would have gotten the first out if, if we lost this game. <laughs> right, no doubt right. about it. Yeah, he would have been the guy that we were all talking about or, or Russell Wilson, you know, airmailing uh, Jacob Hollister in the end zone. Th- those two plays definitely stand out to me. But yeah, I, I want to be mad. I and I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, his other out. I, I like that uh, uh, he gives 
Carson, the Dr. Chris, Mr. Carson moniker, you know, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde yeah. as, uh, as, as the moniker there because he is kind of that Jekyll and Hyde type of player this year. Yeah, un- unfortunately he is. He's got to put down the toxins, the, the, the elixirs, the potions, and whatever one he's better at, just be that dude and, and you know not convert over to the guy with the fumbleitis. I would imagine, you know, you want the monster, you want the beast mode, but then maybe the beast mode, you know, not, not, not the beast mode, but maybe the monster mode has like decrepit hands and can't hold onto the ball. So I'm not sure which one we actually want there, but either way, Carson, you know, put down, put down the elixir, you be you and, and get out of your own head and just run the damn ball. And speaking of awesome, we got a great in here from Brian DeLude. He says in open field tackling, we touched on this a bit earlier when we started talking about Kendricks and KJ Wright, but I'm with Brian here. I thought, I thought the tackling for the most part was fantastic. Let's go on over to an out. Floctimus Prime in with one says the drops and misses that rob the 12s of seeing our first blowout of the year. And yes, to get just a nine point win on a game that we just seem to dominate it, it is frustrating and it, it, for it to only slot in behind that win that the Seahawks got on the road over the Cardinals. Uh, it, it feels like this team needs a blowout on their on their schedule. Yeah, and hopefully it's it's yet to come. It's one of those, you know, we're saving the best for last, potentially, right? And with that, let's bounce over to, to Hong Kong Hawk Bloomy because, yes, we want the blowouts, of course, but Hong Kong Hawk's big in is 6-0 and o on the road. Whoa. He gives like a little little Keanu Reeves whoa there. Oh, Keanu, yeah. He's right, man. We're we're six and zero on the road, and we've played some tough teams on the road, and we just we just keep mowing them down one by one. Who cares? You win by one, you win by thirty. A road W in the NFL is a big deal. Well, I'm going to go back to back ends on you here, Clinton, because Christopher Rolf, always coming in at Agent of Bolas on Twitter, says last end goes to Amadi for being an amazing punt gunner. Pinned the Eagles down on the one and two yard line in key situations. And, and we got to see it. The rainbow connection is back between Michael Dixon and Ugo Amadi. And uh, nice to see those two linking up together and making some big plays on special teams. Oh, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. I love the rainbow connection, man. You're, you're speaking my language here. And that was that was another in that was on on the ledger that we just did not get to because it was other other things that were shining. But yeah, hey, Dixon, he, what's one of our best connections this year? It's, it's Dixon to Amadi. That stuff matters. We talked about it in the bye week that our special teams had been subpar or average at best. That was not a subpar performance by either of those dudes. Great job by by Rolf. You know, you know what? Actually, on this Muppets theme, we're talking about the rainbow connection. You got Rolf, you know, the, the, the furry dog. So good job <laughs> yes. by Christopher Rolf, uh, you know, bringing that to our attention. Nicely done. Speaking of nicely done, Lisa, Lisa, it's your birthday. Lisa in Seattle. We love you so Lisa much. Lisa in Seattle. <laughs> we love her so much. Got to hang with Lisa earlier this year when I was at the uh, the Ram Seahawks games out at the Clink. Fantastic person. She's got a simple one. D playing their asses off. It's an in. Yeah, she's right. I mean, that's just straight up. We talked about it, but it's, it's you know, it's the in so nice. We got to do it thrice. And I know you were hesitant to give an out to Penny, but we have an out for him here. At Hank Sink, uh, PA Hawk comes in on Twitter, says, I was overjoyed to see Penny score on the 58-yard run, but I have to give him an out. If Penny would block as well as Seabass, it may have given Russ enough time to avoid the sack. True fact and, and all that. We'll, we'll figure that out. You know, I, I couldn't bear to put Penny on the outside of the ledger. The dude just, the, the dude balled out. He deserved to be much closer to the inside of the ledger with that 58 yarder. And speaking of much closer, I want to give this last in. Maybe we ended on this one. This is a little, a little insider, uh, Seahawkers pod ring of honor folks. Jonathan Stein, 
three in, three out in Michael Paul's belief in Penny. For those who don't know Michael Paul, he and I had this 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 uh, loving feud inside the Seahawkers Ring of Honor where I've been just down on Penny all year, back in Carson. And Michael Paul, the dude is unwavering, unflinching in, in his belief that Penny is perhaps the better back of the two and just keeps throwing stats and math in my face. And Jonathan, for sticking up for Michael Paul, I love it. Michael, man, oh man, hey, you won the week this week, and as a Seahawks fan, I love it. The in to you, Michael. The in to you, Jonathan. The in to us, Brandon. It's Thanksgiving. So much to be thankful for. Did we mention we're nine and two? Do we mention we got the beautiful plates and we got we got the turkey, we got the fixings, we shoved that crappy stringy stuff to the side, the onion strings that nobody likes, and we have this beautiful plate. We get to sit down with our friends, our family, be thankful, be happy, be healthy, drink and be merry and have a good time. Man, oh man, I love football. I love family. I love Thanksgiving. And I'm, I am a thankful 9-2 Seahawks fan. And Brandon, I think with that... There's only two things left to say, Clinton. Happy Thanksgiving to all the flock out there. And go Hawks. Yes, happy Thanksgiving and go Hawks. But I do... Listen, I have been the biggest Chris Carson component. Component is definitely the wrong word. Hold on. (laughs) Sometimes I do these things.